Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello and welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack and Stephen Caldwell. Today we chat about Toronto FC versus Atlanta United. And where do we start with that one? Canada's exit from the Women's World Cup, the Paris penalty predicament, Chelsea, Canada's chances versus Haiti, Chelsea manager or not to be Frank Lampard, adios to the tune Rafa Benitez, adios to David Silva in one more year. And we discuss some old stadiums maybe later on as well. I'll Ooh, get you a little ask I like that. AFP about that as well. We are here at BMO Field as Toronto FC just took on Atlanta United. Uh, but before we get started, you will notice in today's podcast, we are playing a man short. VAR sent one off already for us. <laughs> as Sean is currently off in PEI. So it'll be just the two of us for the next two weeks. And Sean, if you're listening, stop listening and go on holiday. <laughs> All right, let's get to the matches. Toronto FC 3, Atlanta United 2. First time in history, Toronto FC scored a goal inside the first 30 seconds. First time in club history, Toronto FC scored a goal in the first minute and the 90th minute. And usually in a game like this, they'd be the major stories, but they're not. <laughs> no, V-A-R. The, the major story is, once again, three letters beginning with V. And you played hundreds of games. You've watched thousands and thousands of games. I played no games and watched thousands and thousands of games. <laughs> and it's comfortable. We're both comfortable in saying that we have never, ever, ever seen anything like that at the end of the game. No. Never. Where never. a final whistle goes... And you can talk about your feeling in a, in a minute, but the final whistle goes and I have an objective at that moment to get Alejandro Pozuelo within 15 seconds for a live interview <laughs> on TSN. So you're on the field. I'm on the field. I'm on the field and Pozuelo's talking to me and we're he's staying with me. He knows he's coming. He's like, oh yeah, let's do the interview. And then you I, have to leave. I explained to him that and everybody else is asking me what's going on. That there's a check. There's a check coming down. And by the way, this is coming back. Yeah. So I'm hearing you. I'm yeah. seeing a replay. And they were like, No, no, no. I'm like, the, and then and one player, I'll, I'll go on names because he doesn't know the rules. I don't want to embarrass him. He goes, the Game's over. They can't check. It's full time. I'm like, No, they can. Yes, they can. They can check. And of course, there's obviously frustration. And I've said this many times in the past. Never being inside that pitch. But you've been there. I understand emotions are incredibly high at that point. The focus and determination of these high level pro athletes to get where they are is because of their focus. And so I understand emotions are riding yeah. high. Um, so in the end, I was told by the official, much like everybody else, that we had to leave the field. Um, every other Toronto FC player, apart from Pozuelo, ran on the edge of the penalty box to ready for the PT Martinez penalty. Pozuelo weren't having it. He, he was just done. stood by the bench with us. <laughs> he just was done. He was not, uh, not having it at all. And then the um, Gonzalo PT Martinez had yeah. an opportunity to score the, the winning penalty and hit it over the bar. Incredible. And then I don't think another whistle went. No, which I was waiting for. I, was. I actually thought he was going to have to take a goal kick Westburg yeah. and you know the whistle would go but again we're in we're in uncharted territory aren't we you know what he had essentially blown the final whistle he had blown the whistle yeah but the restart for the penalty did they need to blow the whistle again I don't know I don't even think Alan Kelly knew at that moment right that man must be exhausted right now it's it's very humid in Toronto tonight <laughs> um, he had an extremely difficult game he needs for him Guinness. he made a few mistakes and I think he's probably just slumped in his changing room right now, exhausted. Yes, I would imagine so. So we don't think the final whistle went. The penalty <laughs> sailed off into the Toronto sky. And there was um, incredible relief yeah. uh, down by the bench that I was down at. Remarkable relief. I mean, who'd be a coach? Greg Vanny. Oh. Um, I don't know if you saw the Bill Manning interview that I did a pregame, which is, I think is very interesting. Very but interesting. Anybody wants to go watch that, go watch it because it's uh, anybody who's got any interest in TFC Great should listen insight. to it because he was uh, very open and honest. The questions were asked that needed to be asked. And look, I think it's clear and obvious that Greg Vanny was on the hot seat. And yeah. as much as they like Greg, that they needed to turn this around. And Bill Manning stressed mm -hmm. that. So he knows that. Greg Vanny knows that. He's a pretty calm and collected guy. But all the decisions were kept going up and down. They get a penalty, then they give away another penalty. So in the end, he got three points and 
that the relief was was very very palpable. Yeah, um, I'm going to say that their positivity deserved the three points. I agree. I, I think in the face of the game with with Pozuelo's penalty that he put away, the, the foul by Pogba and Richie Larea, I don't think it was a foul. There was no contact it there. Wasn't a I can't foul. believe. That VAR didn't ask Alan Kelly to have a look at that. Do you think the, there was no overriding evidence? Yeah, maybe the because the the looks that we got, it was one of those. You know, what it reminded me a little. No, bit, it was tough. It reminded me a little bit of the women USA yeah. game. Yeah, remember the penalty yeah, that the was one, that was awarded, and you're like, is the contact? Spain, is the not USA, contact? We were sort of back yeah. and forth on a few takes, yeah, weren't we? we? You, you believed it was a penalty, and I was because I think she just touched contact. it, but. I think there was enough in that one. It's a, it's a great um, analogy, KJ, because there was enough in that one to suggest there was movement in the foot and, you know, there was loads of things that were very ambiguous about the USA-Spain one and the Women's World Cup. Tonight, I just thought there was no contact and I thought that they should have took longer to look at it, to, mm. to be sure, because it's such a crucial moment. Well, yeah. It's the 90th minute it's of the game. The game it's 2-2. Um, anyway, it was given... Um, Pozuela puts it away and then up the other end, TFC just shocking, marking, shocking defending. Gave away free kick. Gave away the free kick, silly. And then it was very central and, and there was there was two sides of players, both the big guys on either side. Zavaleta went too deep. He played Gonzalez Perez on. He he plays a nice little ball across. Daily on, I don't even think he tries it, but he's, his arms outstretched. Another penalty kick and you just think, Petey Martinez with his wand of a left foot, he's just going to put it away and we're going to have a draw in the, in the drama. And he, he, I guess the the gods were shining on Greg Vanny yet again and, 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 and maybe gave TFC what they deserved. I think they might have deserved that little bit of luck because I loved how positive they were. I loved the forward running. I, I thought Greg Vanny was bold by not playing a striker and it, it, it pretty much worked. Yep. The movement, the interchange between De Leon and Pozuelo was... Was, was good to see. It was interesting. The young lad, Schaffelberg, was tremendous on the left. Remarkable. And what, Endo, a, what a great home debut. Oh, brilliant. Just stayed wide all day. Was direct, was positive. Put balls into the box, asked questions. And Endo played really well, KJ. He, he made up the numbers Did. in the central areas. He got his goal. He maybe could have, should have got a second one with his strike off the crossbar. But I thought he was key to the formation working, coming off the line and making up numbers in central areas. And in the end... TFC maybe just deserved a little bit of luck at the end. Yeah, Toronto FC conceded their eighth penalty in 17 games this season. Their whole season record is 10. And I said on the broadcast that they conceded seven penalties prior to this and all seven of them had scored. Yeah. Obviously with the PT Martinez one in the first half. So maybe the law of averages was there for them because to concede eight pens and have all eight going yeah. into in this modern day and age is, is, is pretty rare. Mm. So that's something. The point you make about the wide players is fascinating because Greg Vanny can't talk enough about the need for them. Can't talk enough about the need to having them yeah. today in my interview with them at halftime. And I think it was a classic example, was it not, of not necessarily having the best 11 players available to you, but having the best players on the on the grass that they should be on on the field, <laughs> yeah. right? A, yeah. little, a little bit about proper identity, proper shape. Yeah. And we're going to play a shape that we want to play with the players in those positions. And if you can't play in that position, you're out. And yeah. that's kind of a lot of the reasons why the way football should be. Yeah, it certainly should be. You, you, you can't ask people to do things that they're not good at, things that are alien to them. And I think that that's happened a wee bit too much with this team under Greg Vanny, trying to get these concepts and this way of playing and this... Um, style of play out of players that are not capable of playing it. And I think they had the the in-depth meeting in, in Dallas after the game and there was a lot of clarity came out of that meeting. There was a lot of discussion. Eight to ten voices were involved in that chat, like Greg told us before the game, which right. I thought was quite interesting. Yep. And I think they had a bit of a moment there. I think they, they, they talked about being true to themselves individually as players and being true to the group that are going to be playing for the next few weeks as is more of the um, traditional starting 11 players that are away at Gold Cup or are injured. And they went out there tonight and they played like that. And I, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. They played vertical passes. They played it through the lines. Liam Fraser didn't think twice about playing a big diagonal or, or, or turning it in behind. 
Larea was was always wide, was always driving from that right hand side. Schaffelberg was always out there on the left. When he got the ball, he, he tried to threaten him behind. When it came to his feet, he moved it out of his feet and he put it into a box. And Delion was smart, I said in the broadcast, and I thought he did it pretty well. But Swell is always going to roam and try and get on the ball and be that creator. And Delion just played the opposites to Alejandro Pozuelo. If Pozuelo went high, Delion played midfield. Pozuelo drifted into a midfield area. Delion knew that he had the responsibility to go high. And I, I thought the relationships tonight for TFC were really good, KJ. They were positive, more positive than I've seen them in weeks and weeks. Yeah. And fortune favours the brave. One of my favourite statements, I say it all the time. When you're brave, you deserve the wee bit of luck. And they got the wee bit of luck at the end. Yeah, De Leon's a central player. Jury's in. Yeah. Central player. Yeah. Like everyone, it was bought and everyone said we got our wide player. Drifts out the game. Has been messed around a little bit. Been asked to do far too much. Play left side, play left wing, play right side, play like fullback. You know, yeah. he's been all over the place. And today, that's he's been his best performance. Yeah. Because he's the kind of guy who needs to be involved in the game. Mm. He doesn't want to, you don't want him drifting in and out of games like fullbacks can. He's the kind of person who wants to be in the game and he can bring the energy in the, in the, in the, in the, in the midfield. And I think that's something you can look at going forward. Um, and Josie Alto, by the way, scored a goal tonight for the United States. Probably when he gets back and watches that game or the highlights, will probably be licking his lips because yeah. he's thinking, that's the kind of service that I want. Of course. As a number nine. You play that way with a number nine and Pozuelo around there as well. Then suddenly you've got a different outlook to the attack. There was an identity to them, wasn't there? They were, yeah. It was about getting the ball, taking it into space, um, you know, confronting an, an opposite player, making him make a decision, stretching them wide, stretching them long doing positive things and and everybody played their part in that. I thought that, um, you know, the the movement within the midfield trio of, of De Leon and Delgado and, and, and Fraser, who was excellent again, it has to be said, his passing was, was really good. He's, he's still making mistakes. He's still learning the game, but he, his positivity is starting to really rub off on a number of these more senior players. And I, I, agree. I, I think that, that Greg Vanny has to look long and hard when Michael Bradley comes back about trying to find more consistent games for Liam Fraser. He needs development. The only way he's going to get that is at first team level. And and a youngster on the left wing, what can you say? We've talked about Bill Manning interview with you pre-game, KJ. Anybody who loves football, please go and watch the halftime interview that, that Christian did with uh, Jacob Schaffelberg, which is a very difficult name for me to say. I got it wrong about three times on the broadcast. Jacob Schaffelberg was tremendous. His smile, his exuberance, talking about his family. Just that feeling of, I'm here, I'm on this stage yes. and I ain't going to let it pass me by. I'm going to grab it and, and take my opportunity. And boy, did he take his opportunity. Yeah, it made me feel very old before the interview when he told me <laughs> when he was a kid, he used to watch me on the footy show. <laughs> I was like, when you're a kid, like, I guess you're 19. I was doing a little bit of math in my head and I started to hurt. So I like, Still I just, a kid. Just give up there right away. <laughs> um, Greg Vanny's 200th game in charge tonight. Yeah. And uh, we talked about him pre-game, uh, before the game, and he got a little bit of a, celebra a celebration before the match, as he should. 200 games is an incredible opportunity. Yes. Uh, achievement, so, sorry. Uh, I was doing some numbers, which I'll share with our listeners before the game tonight. Greg Vanny, and these are all competitions. So they are, well, not all competitions. We're not, we're not counting like friendlies against Sunderland. No. <laughs> but major competitions. a real game? <laughs> major competitions, yeah. right? I mean, you've, you've played some of those friendlies in the summer oh. half baked probably <laughs> yeah flip flops on yeah exactly uh, yeah um but greg vanning's first 50 games uh 19 wins seven draws 24 losses um 83 goals conceded equivalent of 64 points out of 50 games in all competitions the next 50 games 51 to 100 um 23 wins 16 draws 11 losses uh, 54 goals conceded in that equivalent of 85 points. The next 50 games, 101 to 150, 27 wins, 10 draws, 13 losses, 68 goals conceded, equivalent of 91 points. And my point here is coming. It's bookended, basically. Yeah. Um, and the last 50 point, the last 50 games, which ended today uh, to get to 200, uh, 18 wins, 11 draws, and 22 losses. So basically what that means is, is that, this win tonight secured a little bit more points than it did in the first 50. So his first 50 is basically almost the same as his last 50. And yeah. it speaks to the struggles that they've had over the last 50 games. Yeah. And, real. you know, and my point being is that do you think tonight is the kind of night that they can push on? Or do you still see those alarming concerns? I know you said they've been very positive, but it almost has to be, does it not? The first one? Yeah. Because if they go out in DC on Saturday, 
and suddenly show signs from prior, then that's not a good sign for Greg. No, it's not a good sign for Greg. Um, I mean, I think Greg's a, a very fair guy. He's a guy who has a lot of respect for, for most people he comes in contact with, but certainly his players. And um, with without saying this really clearly, he sort of suggested that he's got his second string players out there and he has done for the last few weeks. And if you think about a TFC with um, Al Rote right back and Omar Gonzalez, Chris Mavinga, Justin Morrow, Michael Bradley uh, in the midfield area, um, Pozuelo, Altador, Osorio, I'm missing maybe one or two positions. Then you, you you see a side with much more quality than it was out there tonight. But I still think that there was many vulnerabilities out there tonight. Yeah. Simon was. I'm glad you mentioned not that. at the races. He was nowhere near it. KJ. He was he was terrible defensively. It has to be said. Well, I'm scared now. Oh, if Joseph Martinez was playing tonight, he'd have scored a hat trick easily. I text you, but you didn't look at your phone until half time. When they made it two one, and you shouldn't because you're a professional. When they made it two one, Atlanta. I said they could get five or six here. Yeah. Because they scored a goal. Yeah. Eight seconds before the goal, the ball's out. And it's a it's a normal throw-in. Yeah. A throw-in down the line. Laurent Simon gets beat. A cross into the box that any defender just moves out of the way. Yeah. Thinking about it. Not even thinking about it. And the ball goes in the net. And I look at that moment at Marky Delgado, Alejandro Pozuelo, and their body language is just on the floor. Yeah. So credit that they came back. I think Atlanta's naivety tactically a little bit played a part in that. Yeah. But my point being is that they're, they, they, they're giving away goals for fun. Yeah. And they can't be doing that. No, they can't be. And um, they got lucky tonight. They played against an Atlanta team that were, that were average at best, below average. They had a number of really... Poor performances. Pereira on the left didn't work. The lad on loan from Watford, didn't, he was it. terrible, yeah, wasn't he? he was, yeah. Uh, Gressel wasn't his best. PT was in and out the game. PT Martinez, but didn't have a great game. And they had a young lad up top and Brandon Vasquez, his first start for his team, 20 years old, as, as green as they come, has the makings of being potentially a half-decent player at MLS, yeah. but run his heart away. I mean, the difference between Vasquez and Joseph Martinez is Vasquez burned Simon too in one of those yes. plays in the second half. So you think about what Joseph Martinez yeah. would have been like out there. He would have been licking his lips. He would have, he'd have got a hat trick in my opinion. And so the vulnerabilities are still there. There's still some serious deficiencies with TFC, and we saw them again tonight. Uh, but I like how they were positive. That they've got to play like that. This lateral passing. And this get down one side and, you know, turn back out and go back in the middle just doesn't work. It's not modern football. We've seen too many performances like that from Greg Vanny's side. You told us the numbers, KJ, that they've mainly came in the last few months, maybe 18 months, you could say. Yep. And it needs to change. It needs to change quickly or he's going to lose his job. I think that was pretty clear from the president's words. Yep that they want something different, they want wins, and they want a more direct way of playing, and they want more spirit from the players out there because at the end of the day, this is a business, and this is about making people happy in the seats and making them uh, come to watch a football match here at Beamer Field. And it's sadly dwindling, so it's up to Greg to make sure that, that he keeps the fans in the stadium and gives them a type of winning football that they, they deserve and they want. Yeah, bang on. Pity Martinez is... Uh... Ball into the sky, made sure that TFC didn't go nine games without a win, which would have been their worst run since uh, a little wee Scotsman boarded a plane and came over here to play in May 2013. <laughs> I was part of that run, was I? Yeah, yeah you, a few games. You came in at the very end of the run, I think. You stopped and we actually won in DC, yeah, which see? is TFC's opponent on Saturday. There you go. See, it could have been synergy, but in the end, Pity Martinez made sure that it wasn't. Um, what a pity. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a, a terrible one. Anything else on TFC before we move on to talk about another potential controversy with the penalty? No, um, I, I thought Greg was a wee bit slow. Greg Vanny was slow to put a forward on to go when and win the game. When they went to about five. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was the moment to bring on Hamilton or Akinola, but he waited and waited. I think, again, shows the anxiety that TFC wanted to win, but they really didn't want to lose. Um in the end, they got the three points and um, and they move on to DC, which is going to be an extremely difficult game. 
Longest um, 80th minute was the first substitution tonight. Longest they've gone all season before yeah. they made that. Yeah. So um, we'll keep an eye on that as well. Okay, uh, to Paris and another penalty yeah. where Christine Sinclair didn't step up for Canada as the Canadian women have been knocked out of the Women's World Cup, which is now down to the last eight as we discuss this on a Wednesday night here in Toronto. And really, there's only one place to start and talk about. Toronto, uh, Canada were not very good in the game. Best team won overall, I think. Yeah. But they had an opportunity. And the record goal scorers on the field, maybe, arguably, mostly likely for the last time in a World Cup, they had the golden opportunity on her boot and she didn't take it. I don't know about you, but I was stunned. Yeah. Stunned. Like yeah. watching the game, thinking, Becky's holding the ball. Yeah. My first instinct when she was holding the ball was that, I don't know if you saw my tweet earlier in the day, but in the United States Yeah, it was game, class. That was on purpose, wasn't it? I think it might. Yeah. And the United in the United States game, Alex Morgan picked up the ball to take the penalty. The second one, Megan Rapino had already taken it. Yeah. And she held the ball as if she was going to take it. Then they went to VAR and it, over looking at looking took at it. A she long still time. took a long time. She gave the penalty, and then Megan Rapino steps up. Now Grant Wall has since reported that he thinks that the coaching staff overturned Morgan and said no, Rapino's taking the, the penalty. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's true. But my thought and my observation was, anyway, regardless of that, is that going forward, the penalty taker shouldn't be standing on the spot for four to five minutes holding the ball. And that's how long it was. Yeah. Because there's a lot entering their mind. So let someone else hold the ball. Yeah. That penalty taker doesn't need to take it. When that review's going, you're holding the ball. Yeah. So when my first thought was that, oh, Becky got the ball, I'm like, oh, well, maybe they're just going to hang out here. And it's some, some <laughs> high-level thinking here. Yeah. No. No high-level thinking. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the... Janine Becky was the one who took this took the strike. And I've heard all these takes about it being a good penalty. I don't think it's got anything to do with it. No. It's, it doesn't matter that it was a good penalty. I don't care whether she'd smashed it into the top corner. We still would have had the discussion. How can Christine Sinclair not take the penalty? Can't believe it. Uh, astounding decision by Christine Sinclair. A, a storied career that's been remarkable that may even result in her becoming the, or probably should, result in her becoming the, the all-time scorer in the women's game. I think she'll always be remembered for that moment of, of giving up that opportunity to take that penalty. How can she pass the ball to, uh, I don't know, is Becky 22-23, young girl who has tried so hard this World Cup and has had a disappointing World Cup, in my opinion, Janine Becky. She'll be back. She'll be better for it. But she's at a disappointing World Cup. She's tried too hard. She's she's been anxious to deliver, and so it's it's, it's meant there's been a number of uh, disappointing moments, in my opinion, for, from her performances. And so to give her the penalty at that point, some will say, "Oh, it's great team spirit. It's trying to kickstart her World Cup." Nonsense. It's the last sixteen of a World Cup. It's a game where you're creating no opportunities, and you get a chance from twelve yards to run up and put the ball in the back of net. And you've got your your all time leading goal scorer, your captain, your your talisman, the one who is normally assured from that spot as well. She yeah. took a lot of penalties in yeah, her career. I tried to find them. I right. Didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She has. Yes. Lots of penalties. Put it in the back of the net. Stand up and take the penalty. Yeah. She has to take the penalty. Couldn't believe it. I was astounded. I felt for Becky because I didn't get a good feeling. I, I just think the World Cups went like that for her. Mm. Lo and behold, she misses. And it was the only real goal-scoring opportunity Canada had. The attack wasn't good enough to uh, mount a serious threat or any kind of threat in this World Cup. And they go whimpering out, unfortunately, with, with that very controversial uh, decision. In I know mind. you called it. I called it. Not yeah. that we're not with Pan on my back, but I was watching it with the family and I said, uh, save yeah. goalkeeper's right. All right. I knew she's going goalkeeper's right. I never went that far. I, I just said she would miss. I just, the World Cup she's had. In big moments, when they've never done it before, you go to your natural side. It's just, it's just most of the time. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not definite, but most of the time in a big moment, someone who's not taken a penalty before, they go to the natural side, right footed, right at the goalkeeper, yeah. left footed, left of the goalkeeper. It's just the natural side, the natural yeah. decision to do it. Lindahl knew that to the goalkeeper. She's bouncing on the line. She was ready to go. Great uh, save. Great save. I have an enormous problem with the coach. Details. You've got to be, you've got to get it right. Mm -hmm. And he said after the game, the brilliant Laura Dykin, my friend, and we talked about, I talked to her about it, asked him the right question. Did you have a predetermined penalty taker before the match? Answer, no. 
The answer yeah. is no. We have three to four takers and they decide between themselves. I'm sorry. That's not good enough. Can't have that. You can't have that. You can't have that. You, and then that's not just me talking. You talk about, you know, my obsession with penalties. I've talked to coaches about it for 20 years. Yeah. You know, I, talk, I did a radio spot this week immediately after the game. Jurgen Klopp, game against Fulham, right near the end of the season. James Milner comes on, right? Roberto Firmino is the penalty taker. Milner comes on. The whole team knows. Millie's on the field. He takes my penalty. They knew. Yeah. They knew. Paul Pogba took a penalty earlier this season. Remember Marino yeah. in charge. Sanchez spit his dummy out and tried to steal the ball off him, didn't he? Yeah. Pogba said, no, I'm taking it. Mourinho said after the game, Pogba was given clarity at the start of the game to know he's my predetermined. Yeah. So yeah. he was allowed to take control and say, no, I'm going to take it. So Sinclair should be given that. Now, if she says afterwards, I didn't feel right. This girl saved my penalty in an Algar cuff. And I said to her, can yeah. you do it? That's different. It's a little bit different. I still think it's not good enough. No. But it, that, that's different on the observation of the coach. Yeah, it's no, there's because no... Because he's assigned her and yeah. she's passed it off with the feeling. No repercussions no on the coach. Then, on no the coach, no. But this, he's allowing them to make the mistakes. Yeah. He's, this should be, in those moments, on a penalty kick right at the end of the game, Yeah, you cannot be messing around picking and choosing who's going to take a penalty. Well, I, I played with Alan Shearer at Newcastle and he always took the penalties. Right, and I've told this story before. I don't know if I've just told it to you, Casey. I've told it in this podcast, but every game, Bobby Robson would say, "Penalties today, Alan." And I used to think every time, "What a ridiculous question!" And Al would be, "Yep, every time, every single time, it was said in front of everybody within Verbal that reminder. changing room." Alan Shearer's taking the penalties. We all knew that. As if you could even get the ball off Alan Shearer <laughs> in any situation. But it was just clarity from the coach. Right. He takes the penalties. When you go out there, everyone understands that. And that there's no arguments. Lauren Robert might be down the left, win the penalty. He can't grab the ball and take it. Shearer takes the penalties for us. And so I, I learned that lesson then. And I, I do think it's something that every coach should do. But we're hearing more and more of it. We've heard... Greg Vanny, mm. after a game here at BMO Field, when when Vasquez, Altador, and Jovinko were all taking the penalties, saying, "Well, I, you know, I don't I'll know, it was decide, between yeah. them and that." Mm. No, no clarity. He or she takes the penalties. If they're off the field, someone else takes it. If Alan wasn't playing, someone else took it. There was clarity that if Alan was taken off, then Kieran Dyer or Gary Speed would take the odd penalty. Rob Lee. Would be on the penalty. Rob Lee took yeah. a couple of penalties. So yeah. you got to have that level of clarity because here's the key point here, KJ. When the pressure goes up to the ceiling, which it would have been in Paris against Sweden in the last 16 you fall back on routine and on, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Habit. Yeah. You know, you fall back, you, you, you get like so anxious within yourself, you start going back into your mind, how have I done this thousands of times? And you start to go into your, your, your clear habits or your clear routine heading into the game. And that's why it's so clear that's why it should be so sure who the penalty taker is who takes the corners who's in this position when you're coming on the field you, you, you your coach will take you it won't be the head coach but it'll be the assistant coach will take you through here's where you stand the corners here's where you are and wide free kicks here's who takes the corners here's who you attack them they take you through your set plays so you know well the penalty is the most important set play of all mm. you know and so it should be absolutely certain who's going to take that and lo and behold you've got someone there who puts the ball in the back of the net more than nearly everybody in the history of the women's game. Scores goals like that in World Cups. Unbelievable. At home in a 90th yep. minute game. Yep. So, uh, final one on this before we move to the men's uh, team who are getting ready for a crucial Gold Cup quarterfinal on Saturday night. The overall thought about the women in the World Cup, not a great World Cup, nope. has to be said. I'm going to say something that may be a little bit borderline controversial, but it's late and I don't care. No, it's not like you. The lights are out at BMO Field anyway, so we're still talking right now. <laughs> I was disappointed that the nation and those given a window of an opportunity to review it were not angrier. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely fair. Okay. I think if that continues to happen then the best we can hope for is is that kind of performance yep pressure pushes performance pressure has to be given to these people and when you are under pressure and you fail you have to be willing to take 
on whatever comes your way. Yeah. And this notion that they played okay and they're moving forward and it was a decent World Cup and they couldn't create chances, but I'm sorry, I'm not having that. Yeah. It's not good enough. It wasn't good enough. And if you're going to be a top tier nation in any sport, you've got to fall hard on the sword. Yeah. You've got to fall, you've got to you take the take the the good with the bad. No? Yeah. And this whole, I don't know, it was just, I just think it felt, it just felt too soft for me. It was too soft at a landing from something that should have felt harder. Yeah. I'm sure the girls in Paris felt it harder. I'm not talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about sending repercussions around this country to ensure that things get better. That's what I'm talking about here in Canada, not there, here. Uh, Canada's one of the, the premier nations when it comes to women's soccer. They have been for a number of years. And so in that regard, questions should have been asked about such a insipid World Cup performance. And you're right, there wasn't enough asked to these players. And questions should have been asked of the 23 players in France, of the players coming through, of the system in general, because we've got to a stage now in Canada where we've had some success under John Herdman, previous World Cups, Olympics. We all know the numbers, the bronzes and this kind of thing. Chapping at the door, getting close. Well, now guess what's happening? Getting further away and further away and further away and slipping more and more into mediocrity. And so I think there should have been a big debate on what's going on with this national team. Why are we not producing better strikers? Why are we not producing a, a, a more fluid brand of women's football that we're starting to see from... Uh, the Dutch and, and uh, the French are playing it. The Germans, of course, the US are playing it. European nations, seven out of the eight uh, quarterfinalists are from Europe. They're getting it right. They're spending money in their program. They're getting the, the athleticism and the quality from the play. Girls that can shoot from the edge of the area and wonderful strikes yeah, and power point. and Rust, all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I've heard the, the girls in the panel say yeah. that, but the, there was nobody in Canada shirt that got the ball anywhere outside the 18 and you felt like this is going to go in the top corner. There was no real quality crosses into a box. There was no real ingenuity to any of the attacks and that should have created a debate in the women's game because if we don't watch here in Canada, we're just going to slip further and further behind and getting to the last 16s is going to be a, a real achievement right. instead of the fact we're, we're heading to a World Cup, we're hoping to get to latter stages and, and maybe take the trophy home. We'll get to hashtag ask AFP at the end of the show. But Mike asks, do you think now is the time for a women's professional tier one league to be formed for the women in this country to develop and improve? Makes uh, goes on to say that most of the top teams in the World Cup have that right now. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll happen, but uh, I can see Mike's point. I think that uh, it's up to Vancouver Whitecaps, Toronto FC, maybe some other cities to step up and try and get franchises in the NWSL. Great point. Okay, to the men's team who are in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup and play Costa Rica slash... No, they don't play Costa Rica. <laughs> Rip it up. They play Haiti. I say that jokingly because we all thought they were going to play Costa yes. Rica, including me who had like pages and pages <laughs> of notes for them, which I Well, you'll decided. be prepared for the other quarterfinal that you're not doing. No, not like. doing. People were like, oh, just keep your notes because you'll, they'll be playing them in the semis maybe. I'm like, no, because if they play them in the semis, that means they've beaten Mexico. So all, all your these notes, notes are ripped up. Are all done anyway. All these notes of like Costa Rica, Canada's opponent for the quarterfinal, yeah. who 367 days ago took Brazil to the 90th minute in the World Cup before conceding, are rubbish yes. all of a sudden. Yes. Breaking news, yep. really poor. Really poor. And we were texting each other back and forth during the Haiti game going, this could actually happen. And in the end, it did. Yeah. Haiti are Canada's opponents for the Gold Cup on Saturday night. Do not take them lightly. No. But what an opportunity for Canada to make a Gold Cup semi-final. Yeah, what a chance for Canada. I, I, their play's been so exciting. Their their um their relationships, their spacing throughout the field, their their positive wide play. I think that's been a great theme for Canada. They've played, obviously, one very difficult team that they lost to in Mexico, and they've played two teams that they should have defeated. But I have to say, in Martinique's case, they're a better side than Canada made them look. They you know, they, they played really well against Mexico. They it's only true. lost 3-2. Yeah, Mexico. Tata, uh, Tata Martino said after the game, if we were playing a, a good team, we would have got beat. Yeah, yeah, they were uh, so. They were sloppy, the Mexicans, and um, and Martinique looked okay. But I can't wait for, uh, for this quarterfinal to come. I think that... 
they've got a difficult opponent in Haiti. They they have some interesting players as well. They have uh, Derek Etienne from New York Red Bulls yep. plays in the wide area. Uh, Nazon, I think it is the forward. He had some spell at St. Mirren. He's a bit hit and miss, but when he's hit, he looks pretty tasty. He's quick. He's strong. He's got some talent and generally just pretty solid, pretty athletic side. Actually, quite similar in profile to Canada in terms of the the kind of they pace are. and and um, and energy they have, especially in wide areas. So it's going to be a tough game, but um, I'm I'm fancying Canada here. I'm really liking the things they're doing. John Herman's got a couple of little selection things I think he has to get right and and hope that his players uh, you know reward them and perform on on the evening, but. I fancy them to get to semis. Let's see how that goes. And obviously we'll keep an eye on that as the future podcasts continue. But Canada could be in a Gold Cup semifinal up against Mexico very soon. All right, let's hit some headlines. First one being Frank Lampard to Chelsea or not to Chelsea. Oh, At this point, we still do not know. Uh, Derby gave him permission to uh, speak to Frank. And they, the mate, Chelsea said they would pay the four million that it would t- cost. Well, of course they would. Obviously, um, they can't spend it on players. Yeah. <laughs> so let's buy managers. Uh, so at this point, um, as we're speaking, we, we may wake up in the morning and it's all done. And and uh, Frank's out there holding his Chelsea scarf again for the second time in his career, <laughs> mystifying what, or what? What did they pay for Frank Lampard? Can you remember from Twelve West Ham? Twelve million, I think. Twelve million. Well, I'm I'm going to make a statement here. I think they're going to have to pay more when they sack him than what they actually paid for him. <laughs> a player breaking news uh, Stephen Cowell predicts Frank Lampard will be sacked from Chelsea <laughs> well this whole story is just you're not gonna, you're not thinking it's going to go well I don't know because I just think Frank's at a point in his career he's not ready for this intensity I mean a brilliant player who has, has dealt with all sides of um, the scrutiny that comes from being a, a top level player but it's completely different when you're a manager especially in modern football and I just don't think it's the right time for Frank I, d- I think he should stay away from this it's going to take some strength to say no to Chelsea but I think can't he can't say no can he he can't but why not he's getting this job again He's getting the opportunity for this job again if he just allows himself to develop at the level he should be at State Derby another year well, or two. He'll probably go back at some point anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably managed him twice to do, That's true. do a Mourinho. It wouldn't surprise. I just, I, just, I just think they need somebody way more right. prepared than Frank. And I, I'm not... Frank might be a world-class manager one day. Just He's not a world-class manager yet. And so I think they need somebody more prepared. They're, they're fighting against two phenomenal forces in Liverpool and Manchester City they're fighting against uh, you know some spending from the other big hitters as as well Uh, Arsenal Manchester United Tottenham Hotspur and they're 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 nowhere near ready they might not even be able to fight in terms of transfer market spending against these guys so you you need someone to come in to get them into right kind of shape again I'm not saying that Frank Lampard is not a, a good tactical manager but I think there's better ones out there, I have to say, at this moment in time. And so I think it's a disaster for Frank to take it. I think it'll ultimately prove to be uh, a bad move from Chelsea. I think the the media who are desperate for Frank to get it are going to turn on him like you would never believe when results don't go because it's going to be a great story. Yep. And we know what they can be like back home. And this just this is just reeks of trouble for me. Thank you to Clay that says who says it's fourteen point four million pounds was the uh bargain that Frank Lampard fourteen point four. Fourteen point four. Uh I think Chelsea got bigger problems than whoever's in manager whoever yeah. the manager is right now. They got a lot of players who uh hit and miss. They got a lot of players who are consistently four out of ten every week. A lot of players who are getting older. I'm not quite sure the future of their club and what their identity is. So they got maybe Lampard can galvanize the, the, just the dressing that, room. KG. That's the only thing I would say. Galvanize them. He's not going to be cheap, but he's not going to be expensive. If you go out and get yep. an Allegri or yep. Luis Enrique or a big time manager, he's going to be cheaper than them. So uh, maybe well, in a difficult year where nobody expects him to win the Premier League. Yeah that he can go out there and if he matches 70 points like Sarri and gets them back in the Champions League and they compete for a do well in cups, uh, I, I can see it being okay. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt for the crowd. We we think he's got a very good relationship with Abramovich. It seemed like it was always fine between the two and he has the, the presence and the yep. status of that football club to call a few people out. If somebody's not pulling their weight, 
they'll be on the road. Frank right. will be able to, you know, drop a big hitter and everyone will accept that because yeah. he's Frank Lampard. So when you look at the elements, then then yes, I'm, I'm with you. I just think he could be a perfect manager for Chelsea in five years. I don't think he's a perfect manager for Chelsea now. Former Chelsea manager Rafa Benitez has left the tune. Newcastle United oh. have uh, said that after his contract is up at the end of the, the, end of the, the month, Rafa Benitez is no longer... No shock for me. It was the writing was on the wall the entire time. Apparently, Rafa wasn't sure that the day that they announced the statement, he didn't know it was going to happen. But they saw it coming. There was terse emails being exchanged between the uh, the ownership and Rafa all weekend. He called them out. Let's be honest, for twelve months, a remarkable, patient man yeah. to be able to uh, you know show that he had a lot of poise and did whatever he could and really wanted a lot more money than was give, being given. So that was a disappointment. But for every Newcastle fan around, it's the worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. The the guy tried so hard to stay at the football club. There was a genuine love there and a belief from Rafa Benitez that he could make Newcastle truly great again if he just got the right uh, resources to do so. Um, if we're to believe what we read, they offered him a one-year contract and no assurances is Rafa Benitez. Yeah. This is the best manager that Newcastle's had in a number of years tactically with the squad that he's got, maybe ever. Uh, and that's a big statement. You think of some of the guys that have been at that club, Keegan I, in the heyday and Bobby Robson. And, but this guy has been sensational for Newcastle and that's what they offered him. If that's true, that is ridiculous. And he'd had enough and that was it. And it was he's moving on now and he leaves Newcastle and and... Who's going to take that? Who's going to take that job with the stature of Rafa Benitez? Do you think someone's going to step in there? I saw Ranieri mentioned. That'd be a disaster. Would you be shocked if Ranieri turned up at St. James's Park? No, but that would be a nightmare. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. I don't like, know who's going to take it, He's been recycled three times already. Like, you know, <laughs> like that would, wouldn't be a good thing for them. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. It's sad, that. isn't it? Yeah. It's a sad day for, for such a yes. a proud football club. Yes. A great football club. A club of the people. Yeah. For the people. That's what Newcastle's all about. It's about showing the people that you've got a bunch of players and a, a, a staff and a, a, a management core that care for what they want. And what they want is, yes, they want to win. Everybody wants to win. Only a few teams can win. What they want to see is entertainment, passion, commitment, and someone who will put everything on the line for that black and white shirt. And Rafa Benitez created a bunch of players that were basically in that mold, some of them more talented than others. And they had a manager who was tactically more astute than most in the world game. And they have an ownership who are diabolical. They have a management group that are diabolical and it needs to change. There's going to be drastic things happening at St. James's Park this year. Mark my words, these fans are going to rebel like we've never seen because they're going to get a decision wrong with the next manager. And the only way that this guy actually leaves that club is through some drastic actions of nobody turning up to that stadium. Yeah, it's actually a really good um, case study in leadership, Rafa Benitez, because he did a remarkable job of basically telling the world that his players that he had weren't that good, but then telling his players that you guys can go out there and give everything for yeah. me. And he, then they did. Yep. And he also, as I said earlier, wanted so much for that club that he tested their he, he tested their resolve and patience. And in the end, you know, they, they had to let him go, but he did it without incredible expectations. He wasn't asking to sign, you know, Alvaro Morata. No, he knew that he yeah. wanted, he just wanted decent players that he, felt million. That, that he knows because of the, you know, the, the he, he's a smart, intelligent man who knows the profit rate, what you can get as a Premier League club. He knows that if you want to go buy him, you can buy him. Newcastle's got the award. They've got Rafa. And if you wanted to spend the cash, two thousand every could, week, exactly. You could have spent the cash and he knew that. So he wasn't asking for the moon. He was just asking for a realistic package and they never give it him and they never give it him. And now they've lost him. And that's really sad. Really sad. And we've all been there. We've all been there where we work for people who you think, I care more about this company than you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Um, but you just got to keep going and going and going. And eventually, 
you you just you, you can't unless they match that love and care that you provide in the end it's just an untenable relationship it comes yeah, to an end yeah it has to come to an end because you have your brand to think about and, and your reputation and that's what happened with that's Rafa. what he had to do didn't he? when you're at he a club a company uh, whatever job you're in kg if 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 your passion and 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 drive for excellence and standards are not matched by essentially your bosses then in the end you get so frustrated that you have to walk away. You have mm. to go somewhere to an environment that allows you to to grow, develop, to prosper. And and sadly, that's what happened with Rafa. And he gave them every opportunity. I I I mean, really, if he didn't care as much as he did, he'd been gone a long time ago. Oh, he would have walked. He called them out and gave them every opportunity to just give them that little bit of funds, that little bit of commitment to go and, and, and take Newcastle from, you know, just above the drop zone, struggling away to maybe top half of the table, potentially even just pushing for Europe. And they couldn't even give them it. And now they're going to, they're going to get their, uh, their comeuppance, mate. Wait and see. Well, Evan asks on hashtag ask AFP, will it ever be fun to support Newcastle ever again? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Evan. He's a big Newcastle fan, obviously. Yep. Um, you can feel his pain. I can tell it in your voice. I, I really can feel his pain. You know? I, I know they people, they, they deserve better. And and they don't, they're, they're maybe like, <laughs> what we'll say, Marafa with the transfer funds, they don't want the world, KJ. No. They're not like, well, I'm not going to say other teams. I was going to there. It's late. I'm tired. <laughs> and they're not like other teams where they demand and they want more and they expect more and they have this self-righteous way. Newcastle fans just want effort. They just want a group of players that they can chat about in the pub on Saturday night and Sunday and during the week when they're at their work that's, oh, what about him? What about the way he worked hard? What about his performance? It's all they want. Yeah. And they want a manager that they know is going to organise them in the right way and... Now they've lost the manager. Let's hope they, they don't lose that spirit of the players. Chris asks, what is the immediate future for the tune? Well, I think we've answered you. We don't know. The yeah. immediate future right now is nothing but doom and gloom, yeah. I'm afraid. Um, before we get on to hashtag ask AFP, David Silva has announced that this will be his last season in the Premier League for Manchester City, saying that this year is my last. I'm not going to resign. Rumours, no one knows about his future, but he did give an interview once where he wanted to end his career playing for Las Palmas in Gran Canaria, his yeah. whole team. Uh, he did say that he could never see himself he could never see himself play against Manchester City. So it looks like the last year to really enjoy what I described the ultimate space invader. Yeah. That's what he was. And he'll go down as one of the greatest Premier League players ever. Yeah, I love your uh, your statement in Space Invader, because that's exactly what he does. He, he finds space better than uh, anybody else for the last decade in, in world football. Um, I said it many times the greatest Manchester City player of all time mm. I firmly believe that Aguero who knows if he plays for another five or six years scores another hundred goals then he might run him close but it's between the two in my opinion and they've had a wonderful history as a football club but magnificent football player just the brains the intelligence the heart the drive the leadership every part of his game is is really really special and 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 I'm I'm sort of glad he's going to walk away at the top. I think that he's set that club up nicely. He's been a large part of um, the success and the sort of future. The here's what this it means to play for Manchester modern Manchester City. This is what it's all about. And I I think it's time for him to go. He will not play in English football, in my opinion. No way. Oh, yeah. He's going to go somewhere he fancies. Maybe he goes and, and picks up a, a scary paycheck in, in China or Japan, like some of his, his international colleagues, or maybe he fancies some beautiful city in North America, or like you said, maybe he wants to just go back home for a couple of years. Uh, but just a brilliant football player and, and an even better man. Do you think he makes the uh, best Premier League 11 all time? Yes. You do? Surely. Surely. He's got to be now. Surely. We've just talked about his achievements and his titles and who would uh, bet against him. Picking up another one at the end of this season to to give him a farewell. He's He's been amazing. He's, I mean, Premier League all time is so hard when you get to the areas when you think Bergkamp would be in a similar type position yeah. and then you've got Henri and Shearer. Cantona. And Cantona. And, oh, he's better than Cantona for me. Better than Cantona. Better than Bergkamp. Yeah. Just. Just. And I'm the biggest Dennis Bergkamp I love fan Bergkamp, going. yeah. But I think so. Yeah. Uh, what about these two players? These <laughs> players were named to an EPL fan time, all 11. Ryan Giggs. Yep. David Beckham. Beckham, no way. Ryan Giggs, yes. He's better than Giggs, but he's not better than Beckham? Oh, sorry. Sorry. 
I think you the might should they be in the all-time 11. No, sorry, I meant compared to David Silva. Well, Beckham Silva. should never be in the all-time 11. That's a Not disgrace. A David disgrace. Silva yeah, it's a popularity is contest. 10 times better than David Beckham yeah, ever was a football player. 100 times better than him. <laughs> okay. 100 he's, times better. He's a lot better. And he's better than Giggs as well. He's definitely more technical than Giggs. He's... I don't know. I, 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 oh, it's hard for me to say he's better than Giggs. Giggs I'm getting pelters, I'm sure. But I don't Giggs care. was incredible. Giggs but was very good. Yeah. Very, very good. But did he ever reach true elite world class <sighs> status for a long time like David Silva? I just think a big part of why we think David Silva was world class is his Spain performances. And so then it's very harsh that's a, to that's judge Ryan Giggs in that kind of ilk you know like, you're kind of right but I think of David Silva more of a Man City player than a Spain player yeah he wasn't great in 2010 at the World Cup and they and Del Bosque admitted that he he had his mindset on the Man that's City that's when he had these injuries that's was why it? he couldn't get was his that when he had these injuries yeah. in 10 so or f- yeah yeah so I don't think I, I think of him way more of a Man City player than I do of a Spain yeah. player you are right he obviously yeah. contributed to a great era of dominance yeah Um, but you know it's a tough one isn't I'm it I'm sure Man United Could- fans are just throwing away the, <laughs> the radios right now or the podcast or whatever it's the longevity to. gigs as well but anyway I'd, I'd, it's hard to pick between them but uh, you've just went put your neck in the line I don't it? care mate it's, what time is it it's almost midnight here Let's pop, we all put our neck on the line at some point anyway so there you go you can throw pelters at me if you want uh, quickly before we finish the headlines we didn't see it because we've been here but the Vancouver Whitecaps and the spirited Vancouver Whitecaps scored two goals in the last 10 minutes to draw 2-2 at Dallas including no Lucas Venuto's 94th minute equaliser the Whitecaps and late goals it's been a, it's been a big thing this season for them a big thing for late goals uh, Derek can with his big one as well earlier this season so they pulled it out and got a big point that says a lot about the spirit of this Whitecaps team I, right I, now I'll tell you what we've not seen a minute of this game but what a gutsy team yeah and, and a, a team that are I'm going to be polite and say limited with talent yeah and they're missing some of their best <laughs> and players and they're missing some of their best players but you know they've went and picked up another draw after what was a, a decent point on, on yeah, Saturday when they're behind too, again, you yeah. know, and they're thinking of the late, late-ish Andy Rose goal in Colorado that, that Luke and I called where they needed to win that game. They're a gutsy team. They're a gutsy team, and a large part of that's down to Marta Santos, who is um, scrapping and scraping and finding a way to pick up results to keep his side with, within touching distance of potentially a playoffs in the West. And, and that's uh, pretty impressive to see that. I think it will stand him uh, and them in good stead as, as they try and bring in more quality, but they need more quality. They're, they're, they're not good enough when it comes to that, but you have to admire the spirit. Amazing, yeah. All right, two hashtag ask AFP. Reminder, you can just put out that anywhere on your social media preference, and we will look at your questions. And again, many of them have come in this week and are very good. We'll get to some of them in a second. Actually, we've got one right here. John asks, San Siro is rumored to be demolished. Yes. What stadium do you love that is no longer around? Oh. Have you played in any of the stadiums? Well, I've been on the bench in the San Siro, and yeah. it is a remarkable stadium. It's it's very basic when you go in the changing areas and all that kind of stuff and a lot of concrete. But when you go in there, it does feel like a cathedral. It does feel like a, a truly unique stadium. And I had an amazing night there with Newcastle when... I think we drew two two with a very good Inter Milan side, and and that was special. Uh, oof, what are the other ones? Any other stadiums? That you, I'm, I'm trying I, to think. I'm trying demolished. To think demolished. Highbury. Yeah, Highbury was a great one. There you Played go. there a good few times. Yeah. Uh, I think my results there were five nil, five nil, and three nil. So against, I obviously defended you, well yeah. at Highbury. <laughs> um, For anyone adding at home, it's half th- decent thirteen nil. <laughs> Half decent team I was playing against though. <laughs> I remember one time I was there, KJ, and um we were playing against Arsenal, scintillating, five nil, sixty second minute. I look at the clock, not the clock. Yeah. I look at the actual time clock, which was on the side of the, the, the main stand near that area, sixty two minutes, and I thought, How the hell am I gonna get through the next twenty eight minutes right. without conceding another goal? And uh you did? next thing I looked at, yeah, I did I don't know how <laughs> and the next thing I look up and uh, I see uh Will Tord and uh they had they had Henri uh Canu and I think they brought on Bergkamp and Will Tord and I'm like Oh, 
gosh, it gets to this stage. So a, a great team, a great stadium to play in, but uh, never came close to a victory there. No, you did not. Never mind. Uh, some great stadiums I've been to, often in other sports. I've been to a lot of old baseball yeah. stadiums that were, that were around. Um, Speedway was a big fan, big fan of Speedway when I was a kid. I went to yeah. Bellevue uh, Speedway. They had an amazing track. There Bellevue was great. That I went to Dogs there once. Yeah. That's the, the yeah. that was that was the new one, and then that's now right. been replaced as well. But before the dogs was this incredible old old speedway track. I spent many hours there as well. Um, Sam asked, "How far behind the U.S. is Canada when comparing the men's teams?" I feel like we could like chat for like forty five minutes about <laughs> that. We don't have time right now for that, um, but I think we're gonna, the answer is we're going to find out. Maybe this Gold Cup we because are. they might be playing in a Gold Cup final. Well, so be incredible! That would be it? pretty incredible. Well, we might find out find out in this Gold Cup, but we are going to find out in the the Nations League, aren't we? That's right. So that's going to be exciting and interesting because to answer his question as quickly as possible, I don't think they're too far away. Now, I I still think there's a bit there in terms of experience and and depth for the US, but best eleven against best eleven. Could be an interesting game. Could be. One thing I would say about that is that we all can play a big part in this, is that right now the culture in the Canadian soccer men's game is very positive. That is not the case in the US soccer. Yes. Not positive at all. <laughs> you got a new manager. You expect new optimism. It is not like that. You got a lot of people out. That if they don't win the Gold Cup, which I would I would imagine that they're probably not going to. We'll yeah. see how Mexico go. But then everybody will be out. Will be out for them. They've obviously produced players of a higher caliber than Canada. Yeah. Christian Pulisic is obviously the the one. When you've got a 50, 60, 70 million pound player, yes. then you know you've got a, a different elite level. Yeah, of play, of, of, of player there. And you know Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. Yes. Those young players are probably at a higher level than some of Canada's younger players at the moment. But the uh, gap is narrowing. To answer your question, Sam, and we will continue to keep an eye on that. Bill asks, what do you think about Watford for the upcoming Premier League season? Well, I would say that they should continue to hopefully continue their great ride right now under a great manager in Javi Gracia. Yes. They have uh, continued to recruit very well. They just made an FA Cup this season. So um, much to like about Watford. And there's, I find a lot of Watford fans in Canada. So yeah. the, the, the uh, I would imagine, I don't think they'll be too complacent. The they have a spirited group that compete every whistle to whistle every game. Yeah, we saw a young lad, a Watford player tonight here at Bema yeah, Field that didn't have his best night, but exciting young talent um, at Atlanta United and Dion Pereira. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Watford. I think they've got a great guy in charge. I think they'll be consistent, but I, I think that they need some fresh blood and it needs to be the right players that come in because I look at some of their their key players Deeney's getting on a little bit yeah uh Fozzie and go Ben Foster and goals is getting on a little bit I still think he's got some years left but Ben's about the same age as me isn't he I think he's 37 maybe is he is, is he? that right is oh. he a bit younger maybe Check a bit you. younger Check but um yeah maybe 35 actually a bit younger but yeah, sometimes good. you feel thirty-five, mate. Yeah, sometimes not very often. Sometimes I feel fifty as well. Well, it's late night for you, isn't it? Yeah, so. <laughs> but no, they'll be good. They'll be good under Grazia. But uh, a, a few key signings, KJ, to to stay in that kind of top half of the table. You think? I do. I agree with that. Um, all right, let's finish off with a couple of questions about the Canadian Championship. Um, 2019 is starting to develop into some exciting games coming up in the 2019 Canadian Championship in the, um, I was going to be a little bit cruel there, in the bracket. I'll just say that. I was going to say in the predicted <laughs> bracket or whatever, but I feel like it's been done behind closed doors, maybe. Like I mean, the Gold Cup. Who knows? Um, that, uh, Eric asks, which of the remaining CPL teams can go furthest in the championship? Um, B Colt 93, which club is most likely to be upset in the next round of the Voyagers Cup? HFX Wanderers will play Ottawa Fury. These ties begin July 10th. York 9 take on Montreal Impact and Cavalry FC take on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Well, all I say, all I'll say is I really want a CPL team to get through. Yeah. That would be class. <laughs> be so great, wouldn't any it? of them, it's fine. So who's got the best chance? Uh, well, Cavalry are the best. Yeah, team, you would think. But yeah. they've also got the hardest game. Yeah, of course. I think. You think? I think they Harder than the impact? Well, I don't think York 9 have got a chance to beat the impact. Yeah, right, okay. Do you? No, not at all. Okay. So Cavalry have got a chance to beat the Whitecaps. Yeah. But HFX Wanderers should have a better chance to beat Ottawa. Yeah, Although Ottawa's should, done all right. Or in good form. Yeah, though. they are. Yeah. So... 
um, yeah, just looking forward to the to the games. Should be good, and hopefully, though the non CPL teams take it seriously. Yeah. So there's not one of these things. Well, we didn't really have the best team out. Yeah. So these, you know, we're not going to play our best team because I can see that because they come thick and fast these games and they're in the middle of an MLS season. So you know, you play a bunch of reserve players or you know, not they're not reserves in MLS, yeah. but you know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Players, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so that'll be a difficult one, but we'll keep an eye on that and hopefully there's a way of analyzing it fairly. Right. Yes. There you go. All right. That is the show. And again, please remember to rate and review. Our review of the week this week comes from Tom Shimmer, who says, quote, huge fan and weekly listener. Been following KJ since the footy show days. Second footy show shout out of the night. Wow. And the insight <laughs> from the two is as good as it gets. One thing, however, is as a white cap season to go, that I'd like to hear more balance between the three Canadian teams. We'll do our best for that. But as we said, tonight we were here at TFC, yeah. so we couldn't do much else. But thank you, Tom. We will try and fit in some more white caps and impact talk, of course, for you. Impact winning tonight as well, although we didn't get to see that. So we only talk about what we see. That's what makes us fair. Uh, remember, if you have any specific questions you want answered, make sure to use the hashtag AskAFP, and we will give you exactly what you want. Also, don't forget, as I said, to rate and review to get your very own shout out on the podcast. That's it for this week. We don't know our schedule for next week yet. We don't know where we're going to be for the Gold Cup. Uh, Women's World Cup semifinals preview that. We may have a show next week. We'll let you know how the schedule goes. Uh, we will have one after finals day on July 7th. What when a day Women's that's World going to be. Gold Cup and Copa America all takes place on the 7th. We will have a show uh, following that um, that week. Thanks again to Dylan, to Clay, to Sean. Even though he's on vacation right now, you better not still be listening. And everyone else involved, thank you. Have a good night and thanks for listening.